Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app or go to betmgm.com and enter code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Mary Young. She's the founder of her namesake lingerie and swimwear brand with a mission to empower women of all sizes. Founded in 2014, Mary Young is based in Montreal, Canada, and is committed to creating ethically made garments with quality and environmentally safe materials. In this episode, we discuss Mary's journey to creating her brand right out of college, her advice for aspiring entrepreneurs, and more. Let's get into the show. Mary, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell me how the idea for your company, Mary Young, came to be? Of course. So my name is Mary Young, not not that far off of the name of the brand. It wasn't a very creative brand process in terms of naming it. But I launched the brand in 2014, which feels like a lifetime ago now. And it actually started as my thesis when I was in university. So I was studying fashion communications or the business side of fashion, uh, marketing, branding, all that good stuff. But I had always been very interested in designing and from a young age was sewing, knitting, creating my own clothing and garments and accessories. And I had a very supportive professor who encouraged me to do basically a double thesis and a marketing thesis as well as a design thesis. So I ended up producing a five-piece women's wear lingerie collection. And when I started studying the industry in 2014, there wasn't a lot of lingerie offerings. It was sort of two ends of the spectrum, which was lingerie, very Victoria's Secret, black and red lace padded push-up bras. Or the other end, which would be more fruit of the loom package of five pairs of nude underwear you would never want anyone to see you in. But there was really nothing that brought those two together that was functional for every day that celebrated your natural shape, but also was beautiful enough that if you wanted to show it with show someone you could. And that's really where the concept started. And once I showed my collection at the end of my university career, there was a lot of great feedback about the styles, about body positivity and acceptance. And I was young at the time, I was 23. And so I was very excited to take this one step further. And so that's what actually gave me the confidence and courage to launch my business uh, just about six months after I finished school. What would you say were some of the pros and cons of starting a business after graduating? 
definitely a lot of pros in terms of not knowing enough at the time. So I think ignorance is bliss in some ways, especially when you're an entrepreneur. I think if I knew how hard it would be now, what I've learned at 23, I don't know if I would have uh, dove headfirst into it. But I think the uh, excitement of finishing school, of seeing something that I brought to life through my thesis collection and knowing that I could do the same thing outside of school and obviously as a business was really the fuel that gave me uh, the motivation to do what I did. Some of the cons are not having experience, just really not knowing the industry other than what I had learned in class and from textbooks and from internships. I had never worked full time within the fashion industry and definitely not within production. And we produce everything in Canada, which is great in some ways and also very hard in others because a lot of production in both you know, Canada and the US has gone offshore and there's not as many resources within North America. So there was a lot of um, battles to be fought to get that secured properly in Canada. How did you save up some of the initial funds to get your company off the ground? A lot of the initial funds I actually ended up getting through a government organization in Canada that helps fund young entrepreneurs. So it is an organization that sets you up with payment plans, loan options, and a mentor. So no grants, but definitely the ability to get loans, which you can't really get when you are a young entrepreneur just by going to the bank directly. So that program is called Futurepreneur in Canada, and that was um, the biggest source of funding. And then I also had my own savings that at the time I was thinking maybe I would buy a condo, maybe I'd invest in something. And instead of investing in property, I invested in myself. And so I put all of my savings towards launching the business. And I also worked part-time and freelance the first three years of running my business. So you had sort of a backup plan with those other jobs that you were doing while trying to get your own business off the ground. Yes, definitely. It was always good to have a bit more steady income and something that was a bit more reliable than being an entrepreneur and launching your own business. Yeah, very smart. Well, you touched a little bit about the fact that when you started in 2014, inclusive lingerie brands were not really the norm. There wasn't a lot of variety in the sizing and the designs of lingerie. So what were the initial reactions you got for the first designs that you were creating? Can you share what some of that feedback was? Yeah, a lot of the initial feedback I got was women saying that they never thought they could find something that made them feel good. A lot of lingerie really was designed to show your body and yourself to others in a very narrow idea of what sexy is at that time, because as we know, that changes year to year, decade to decade. And so a lot of the feedback was, first off, this is so comfortable. I don't think I've ever had underwear that has felt so good. And when you think about it, our, our bras and underwear are on some pretty, you know, sensitive parts of our body. And it would be really nice if they always felt good. And then the empowering aspect of being able to purchase something for yourself that gives you the confidence before you think of anyone else. I think that was really the biggest um, response from the community and from our customers that made me realize I was on the right path of doing something different. Got it. Well, let's get into that a little bit more. So can you tell me what your design process is like for creating new lingerie pieces? And I know now you have a swim component to your brand. So can you just tell us like what makes Mary Young Creations unique and why, you know, they're so comfortable and what your customers really love about your products? Yeah. So the biggest focus is comfort. I have always been a comfort queen. I think before that word and a term had even come about and 
when I was buying lingerie before I launched my business, I was the type of person that would go to the same department store and buy the exact same bra every year. And I'd always cut off the bows because I didn't understand why there was bows on a bra. And I was very simple. I just wanted function. I didn't think that I could have function and fashion combined. And so whenever I design new products, whether that's bras, underwears, or swim, the first focus has to be the comfort. So that starts with the materials itself. A lot of materials we use are also sustainable. So majority of our materials are OECOTEX certified. And that basically just means that they're not harmful to the human body. So uh, they've gone through different testing to make sure that the way that they're produced and everything is safe for the human body. And the fabric itself is really, really soft. It has a long life. Our lingerie is made with a rayon from bamboo. So it has stretch, it has shape, it actually warms up as you wear it and will shape to you. So it's sort of like, it becomes your custom set as you wear it. And then from there, I like to have a little bit of fun with the design. So we mix in different mesh styles, different mesh panels to give a little bit of playfulness or different elastics to add different detail. And I love playing with different colors because I think that's one of the greatest things with intimates and lingerie is you can be wearing a matching set or a colorful set but no one else knows it except for you so you're really doing that for yourself and we like to introduce fun colors every season obviously having white black and gray as well so how often would you say like you're coming up with new designs so we tend to follow the fashion calendar of spring summer fall winter and more so our colors and our hues fall into those different seasons and then when it comes to new designs I really try to watch the fashion industry what people are wearing what outer garments you're putting on so once high-waist jeans became more popular we had more high-rise bottoms people aren't going to be wearing the low-cut bottoms with high-waist jeans they want you know a high-waist thong something that sits at their belly button and so that's really great for us to follow what the trends are doing or if there's sheer tops, you want to have a bra that has a bit of design, a little bit of detail, but also still offers full coverage. So under a sheer top, you're covered, but you're still kind of being playful with that. So I look at a lot at what people are wearing, what uh, the industry is gravitating more towards, and then being able to pair our pieces to that, but also staying true to, again, the comfort and the quality. You just mentioned the sustainable fabrics that you've implemented in your designs. And I know from your website and our initial conversation that um, sustainability is very important to you as a founder and entrepreneur. So can you tell me why that is and like how you've made that a priority in your organization? Yeah, I think the sustainability, sustainability conversation has become really huge in the last couple of years, which is amazing to see. This has been number one for us since we launched Mary Young and when it was really just myself. Um, it was always a focus because I would always buy online, even when shopping online wasn't super big. I remember buying online in high school off of eBay and trying to experience what that felt like. And a lot of online purchases and direct to consumer brands waste so much packaging. There's so much plastic, single use plastic, even, you know, what they include in the boxes, the boxes are no longer recyclable because of how they've been treated and because of the different stickers and things like that. So for me, I always wanted to make sure that whenever someone received our product, not only the product itself was sustainable, but the whole experience itself was sustainable. And, you know, we look around in the world we live in and you start to see garbage piles, garbage bags, and how much waste we all accumulate. And um, you don't think about it day to day, but when you start to sit down and look at it, it's it becomes overwhelming and it, it almost becomes paralyzing and how can we do better? And I think my role as a business owner, a founder, an entrepreneur 
is to do better for those that interact with our company. So I have, um, you know, a bigger role in making a difference, not only with those that work with me, but the community that we're able to impact. So that's always been a big focus. And then even our production, we have always wanted to produce in Canada and we have stayed true to that, which is really amazing because we have some amazing resources here in North America. And when a lot of brands went offshore, we closed a lot of factories and a lot of our, you know, community lost jobs because we left the country. So we really want to focus on investing back into sort of your backyard where you're from and just making sure that our ethical standards match our sustainability standards and we know how and where things are made. Yeah, I love that you adopt those principles at all stages of your company. So it's not just using sustainable fabrics, but even down to the packaging, which I think is really impactful because I know when I order things, it's like you open a plastic bag and then there's another plastic bag and then it has like all this tissue paper. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. like, why, what am I going to do? Like now I have to recycle all of this. Why could you just not put it all in one bag? I don't understand. Exactly. Was there any consumer education you had to do around the quality and pricing of your sustainable lingerie versus fast fashion alternatives on the market? A hundred percent. And I think this is still an ongoing conversation. We live in a very immediate Uh, world where everyone wants things right away they want you know affordable things as fast as possible and so our price point obviously is a little bit higher producing in Canada our wages we actually pay our living wages so they're not minimum wages they are relevant to what um, anyone at a certain level of working will be paid so it's not just enough to get by but it's enough to live save and you know live comfortably so that's a big impact on the pricing of our garments and again with having sustainable materials there's more cost that goes into those materials being made as well so our price point is higher and we always work on educating our consumer about why that is and how that looks and it's definitely something that it takes time to understand and I know even for myself you know aging through my 20s and into my 30s now you go through phases where you do want to follow the trends. You want this cute style. You want that. And we see Zara hauls on Instagram and TikTok and all these different fast fashion brands that you get that immediate dopamine hit from buying a lot of different cute pieces. But the reality is a lot of those don't last very long. And for our style of product, our goal really is um, quality over quantity. So we want our customers to feel their best in our pieces that they feel uh, empowered to be themselves, but they also get to wear these designs for a longer period of time. And maybe the hue or certain styles are trend focused, but they still last a long time and become um, you know, a core part of their wardrobe and their collection. And that's really what our focus is. And that's how we try to convey our price point is these aren't going to be items you purchase for the next three to six months. They will last years. And it is something that makes you feel good about your purchase too, because you know your dollar isn't just going to some big corporation. It actually is impacting people within your community, your backyard and a small business because small businesses are few and far between. And it's really important to support, you know, companies at every level. Absolutely. I think it's pretty clear with something like this, it's more of an investment in your wardrobe. You're buying something that's going to last you a long time. Like you said, when you were first creating your garments, would you test it yourself to see how it feels on you, like how long it lasts? Can you tell me about what that process may have been like? Yeah, so when we first started, it was hard to have the quality that we have now because as a small, small business, you don't have the buying power to purchase thousands of meters of elastic or even hundreds of meters of fabric. So it's really uh, 
inaccessible to start a small business at high quality standards just because of price point. So we did work our way up to having better quality and I would always test things out myself. We actually started working with a different production facility when we first um, had our first production run done and they did not meet our quality standards. And so we were very quick to rectify that and move to a different production facility that thankfully meets and exceeds our quality standards. So we know with everything, there's human error, there's people making these products behind it. It's not just machines. So there's always going to be small quality issues, things like that, that come up, but it's a reminder that people are behind this and that we you know, take time and patience internally to get our product to a point that we feel very comfortable and happy with before we launch it to our customers. Well, aside from creating like accessible and inclusive lingerie that's both beautiful and functional, is there another philosophy or passion that you feel drives you to keep growing your business? I would say the biggest passion for me is making people feel good. That's really what started the brand. And what is the fuel when, you know, life gets busy and being a small business owner, entrepreneur, I wear very many different hats. And sometimes I feel like I'm caught up in the day-to-day of running a business versus being an entrepreneur or being a designer or creative. And when I get, you know, DMs or emails about customers feeling good or feeling empowered in their, their body and not feeling the need to change what they look like or seeing themselves on our website within the models that we use. That was really huge for me when I first heard that from our customers. And that still is the number one thing that reminds me, this is what I'm doing. Yes, I'm running a business. And obviously there's very important things to keep a successful business going. But the reason why I do it is because I have the ability to impact even just one person to realize that, you know, they are worthy the way they are. They are loved and valuable and important just who they are and they don't need to change for anyone. Like you said, seeing models of different sizes, now that's something that's so common, especially on social media. But when you were starting that, it's pretty cool to know that like that didn't really exist. Yeah, it was so rare back then. Mm -hmm. It was very, people were so surprised that I wasn't working with modeling agencies and, you know, finding the standard model. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. the standard model is my friends, the people that I see in my, my circle. And not all, we don't all look the same. We're all different sizes and heights and skin tones and ages. And that's who I want my, you know, community to look like and to feel connected to. Yeah. And so what are the size ranges for listeners who are not familiar? Can you give us that information for your brand? Yeah. So our size ranges are from extra small to 2X for the majority of our styles. So there's still some bras we're working on getting to a 2X just based on making sure that the comfort and support is still there. And our 2X is about a size 16, size 18. The really great thing is our fabric is very stretchy. So for some you know, customers who feel like, well, I have a larger top and a smaller waist, different things like that, the material will give where it needs to, but it's not gonna sag and stretch where it doesn't need to. So there is a lot of flexibility with putting on the product, making it fit to you and not having you fit into it. That's pretty cool. And you said part of that is like the bamboo fabric that you use, right? Yeah, the bamboo, uh, the rayon from bamboo is actually really, really cool and how it works. So very similar to cotton has a lot of give and stretch and flexibility, but unlike cotton, once you wash it, it doesn't lose its shape. It actually has great shape retention. So if your waist is smaller, it's not going to sag out in your waist. It's going to maintain that smaller shape in the waist, but then stretch where it needs to. And as your body warms it up, it starts to fit better to your body even more. 
similar to how a great pair of jeans fit. You have to wear them a couple times before they fit you perfectly. That's how a lot of our products uh, end up becoming like your second layer of skin. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I love that you said that your philosophy is just to make people feel good. I think that's such a good driving force for the business, but kind of a good segue into that is your company initiative called the Self-Love Club. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so the self-love club is a movement that Mary Young powers. It's not a club that you need to purchase our garments to get in or have an access code. It really is just about you and your attitude and making space and opening conversation around self-love and acceptance. This came about pretty organically, actually, after having a lot of one-on-one conversations with customers around empowerment and self-love. And I realized I personally was having a lot of those customer or conversations with our customers and our community, but as a whole, our community wasn't having those conversations. We weren't in a group talking that we all feel the same, that we didn't know we could feel empowered by purchasing garments for ourselves. And the self-love club really is the uh, accumulation of those conversations into a digital space. And at times the physical space, we'll have events where we can open up the conversation around self-love and it's really easy to talk about self-love in terms of body acceptance, especially being a lingerie brand, but we want to expand that conversation to not just be about, you know, loving your legs and loving your hair and embracing all your curves, but really understanding what self-love can look like through life's different chapters. And we saw a huge focus on that, obviously, during the pandemic in 2020 around what does self-love and self-care look like when your whole world has changed and you have no idea what's going to happen next. And so we, we talk about self-love through trying times in life and how you can learn to support yourself and support others when they're going through hardships and um, just making these conversations feel less taboo and less kind of like hush-hush in the corner, but more relative to all of us because we all experience the ups and downs of life. And the more that we can support each other, the better that our lived experiences will be. Amen to that. Mm. And people can learn more about that on your website, right? They can, yeah. So they can go to maryyoung.com and then there's the self-love club journal there. So we have a variety of different guests that come on and write self-love club pieces to us. Um, We have weekly pieces. We have monthly muses of different individuals that inspire us and we think are doing amazing things within their life that are radiating out and that we think our community will also be inspired by. What has been the response from some of the women in the self-love club Can you share any impactful conversations that have been had as a result of this digital space you've created? Yeah, I think the biggest um, response has just been the feeling of being heard and seen. Uh, I think we experience so much, um, people share so much online these days, especially with TikTok becoming like a big platform. People are sharing, you know, get ready with me, their daily routine, but everything still does feel a bit, um, within a box or filtered or thought out. Whereas the self-love club really is about breaking down those walls and being as vulnerable and transparent as we all can be. And also sort of being like a big sister, a favorite aunt, someone that's with you that maybe has a bit of wisdom and advice to share with you and reminds you that, you know, this is just a season. It will change both the good and the bad things come and go. And people start to feel more understood in their life when a lot of times we can often feel very alone especially with being you know the digital world being so big and how we connect so often online that it can often feel like you really are looking in from outside of a glass versus being in that room and so we really want everyone who interacts with the self-love club to feel very included and seen and heard and 
knowing that people feel that way is just really reassuring that we're on the right path. Yeah, I love that you take the extra step. I mean, you're the clothing, the lingerie, the swimwear you create is to make people feel good, like physically, but then the self-love club aspect of your company is like feel good emotionally, spiritually, all of that good stuff. It's a really cool community that you've created that people can just go and like you said, feel safe and hurt. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Although you have a team now, I'm sure being a solopreneur or a solo mm-hmm. entrepreneur comes with many challenges that you have to face on your own. Can you tell me some of the ways that you avoid burnout and, and stay inspired as an entrepreneur? Yes. Avoiding burnout. That's a great question because I <laughs> have not avoided it at all times. I think I'm learning more as the years pass how to avoid it. So one of the biggest things is just being really in tune with yourself, being able to check in with yourself, whether that's every day or every week, and really see how you're feeling, where your energy levels are, and learning how to say no. Um, The power of no, not only professionally, but personally, is one of the best ways that you can avoid burnout. So there's a lot of opportunities that come when you're a small business, but that doesn't mean every opportunity is the right opportunity for you at that time. So being able to identify can I take this on as a solopreneur? Do I personally have the energy and the capacity to take this great opportunity? Or is this maybe not the right time for me to take this opportunity? So learning how to say no to things that will drain you at that time is important. And then also as a solopreneur, the reality of saying no to a lot of, you know, things that happen in your personal life, going on vacations and certain holidays and things like that. You know, even here in Canada, yesterday was a holiday. And most of my friends were talking about, you know, the long weekend and what they were going to do. And it's like, yeah, I didn't remember that. And I was definitely doing some work. So knowing that that's a part of being a solo entrepreneur is you don't have the same day-to-day, you know, life that a lot of other people have, but you do have flexibility in some other ways. So really tuning into yourself, being aware of your to-do list and, You know, that old saying is eat the frog first, I think it is, is do the thing you hate doing first, and then everything else comes easier. I learned that the hard way, always do it, just do the thing you don't want to do first, rip that bandaid off, and then the rest of your day is going to be more enjoyable. So just remove any obstacles you can, and you'll be less likely to be burnt out. That's really good advice. Do you have any future goals or plans for Mary Young that you can share with us? Yeah, so one exciting plan and goal is I'm actually going to be moving from Canada into the US. I'm going to move south of the border. I'm moving to LA (laughs) very soon, actually. So I'm really excited about that. This has been on um, sort of like my vision board and dreams for a long time to be able to be present in, you know, LA and other cities and start to grow the Mary Young brand there because I think being on the ground and being physically in a location helps that grow. So we're really looking forward to growing Mary Young across the border and just really um, supporting more people and reminding more people that, you know, they are worthy, they are loved, and they're just as important as they are and who they are right now. Awesome. Well, early welcome to the U.S. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope the move goes well. That's exciting. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, As we start to wrap up, I kind of want to take a little bit more advice from you, just like lessons Mm -hmm. learned that you've found along the way of growing your business. What advice do you have for young entrepreneurs to stay focused on their journey and growth and maintain a positive mindset 
despite challenges that they may face. Yes, I think the positive mindset is the secret sauce to continuing as an entrepreneur. And I think that's an area that can be really hard to maintain. So really filling yourself up with positivity and positive people. So you want to have friends that are adding to your life. And I think this is a hard reality for everyone. At some point in your life, you realize there are certain friends in your circle that you spend time with. And after spending time with them, you feel more drained and more exhausted is realizing that maybe those people shouldn't be as close to you as they are because everyone that's close to you should be helping you with positive energy and encouraging you and sometimes being a sounding board when you need to talk things through, especially as an entrepreneur. So finding, you know, a very trusted inner circle, I think is super helpful. And then just filling yourself with positive things. So I have a folder on my computer of funny YouTube videos that the days that I feel very low, I will just go and watch these. And to be honest, most of them are just like laughing babies because when you see a baby laughing, it's very hard not to feel better. So finding something that can kind of be like your remedy for when you're having an off day that will just kind of get you out of your head, get you out of that funk. And remember that, you know, life is so big. Being an entrepreneur is such a huge part of your life but it's not the most defining aspect of who you are, that there's always things outside of being a business owner and that we can't take everything super seriously. And I I say this because this is something I tell myself all the time as a very type A person. I I take almost everything too seriously and I can get caught up in that, but we should be having fun in the journey and enjoying it and, and learning from others. Like listening to podcasts has been a huge thing for me and connecting with other entrepreneurs is really important to find that sort of community that knows what you're going through and can support you through it. Yeah, having those outlets, like you said, of joy and humor is so important. I actually kind of do a similar thing. Like when I'm feeling just kind of down in the dumps, there are like certain stand-up shows I'll watch and it, I just know they're going to make me laugh and that automatically makes me feel better. So exactly. I can totally relate to you there. I love that. Well, finally, I would love to close out by asking you for one more piece of advice. Has there ever been a memorable moment in your career journey where you learned a valuable lesson on entrepreneurship? I think my biggest moment was, like I was saying earlier, when we first launched the brand, um, the production facility we were working with didn't meet my quality standards. And in that moment, I think it was like, four months into being an entrepreneur and it felt like, well, I guess this is it. I just can't do this anymore. I have to just quit now. And instead of taking that as a failure, I took that as learning how to be agile and to find another solution and not give up. And I think that happening so early on in my entrepreneurial journey has really given me the mindset of not giving up and just being agile throughout the rest of my years, because there was many other things that I could have been like, well, this is it. That's the sign to quit. I can't do this anymore. But I think the joy of being an entrepreneur is you can be flexible, whereas bigger corporations don't have that same flexibility. So learning that plan A sometimes isn't the best plan. Sometimes it's plan C or plan F or sometimes all the way through the alphabet. But just knowing that there's always something that can be done and and learning how to go more with the flow of work is, has been a really big um, lesson for me. And again, not taking everything so seriously and just knowing that there is always a solution to every problem. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like adapting to those setbacks is so major, not just in your career, but in life. Like everything yeah. is, everything kind of quote unquote bad that happens to you is like almost like a test. Like how quick can you bounce back? 
And so the mm-hmm. more that you're quick and on your feet and you just take it not as a failure, but like as a learning lesson, I think you're just going to end up becoming a better person. So I love that you said exactly. that. Exactly. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and your brand online and on social media? Yes. If you want to find out more about Mary Young, you can find us at maryyoung.com and follow us on all social media at It's Mary Young. Thank you to Mary for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats. If you run a small business, you need the most from every investment. That's why Comcast Business gives you more, like our new gig speed Wi-Fi, plus unlimited data, all on the largest, fastest, reliable network for small businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Don't miss our special holiday offer. And ask how to get up to a $750 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle. Call today. Ends 12-4-2022. Restrictions apply. Requires gigabit extra bundle with two-year agreement. 